You good to go? Are we set? All recording? Three, two. What's going on, everybody? It's me, Asad Hashmali, back again with another episode of Behind the Grind, the show where I sit with cool people doing cool things on a regular basis. People whose grind I admire, people whose hustle I admire, people whose story I admire. And today is someone who I've been following, and I'm sure many of you, when you see his face, will also be like, "I know this guy. I've seen him." There was uh, once upon a time when YouTube was banned, and he migrated from YouTube onto Facebook. um shattered the internet at a very young age and now is doing things that you would not be able to think about um i called on salman and sorry hello salman thanks Asan, for coming on thank you so salman. much asad for letting me be here my pleasure thanks for accepting by the way i didn't expect so when i messaged you i didn't expect you to to reply or get back or anything so I'll tell you a secret i um, saw suhail zindani on your podcast and i sneakily went and liked that particular thing so maybe if you would be interested you would invite me oh wow and as it was given yeah intention the aage chalo good i'll take it i'll take it but um so i called on salman because uh um he's doing some fantastic work uh in the retail space in the e-commerce space and um seeing your early work i was always like okay there's always a very it's a very um interesting take on how skit comedy was being made online and it was kind of like a reflection of society even at that time and today also i feel like there's still that market available and that's what consumers also end up resonating with and find that sticky content but i don't want to get into the whole content side of things i actually um wanted to first understand that you know just as a disclaimer for everybody salman is also the founder of manto our retail brand wear manto um very aesthetic very beautiful minimal clothing um and accessories as well and that's actually what i want to understand how has your life as a creative evolved over the years from digital from youtube content to now running e-commerce and retail and aesthetic design fashion hmm so how my life changed um or how my transition has been is that you know i feel that a job of a content creator whether it's funny skits or creating some valuable sort of lessons or uh, any other uh, maybe doing stand up comedy is also a form of some sort of marketing because you have to engage people you have to seek their attention and then you have to get them in, enrolled within your content to get them to consume it to get them to spread it to get them to talk about it so uh, the fundamental basis has always been there regardless if it was content creation or um fashion creation but uh, so that's what kind of connects the two between those particular things okay and over the years how do you feel people have changed because that connection that you're trying to draw that will also be as a as your observations of people as well so before people i would like to because i know more about myself than i do know about yeah. people um i believe that you know i may be thinking that i'm changing so maybe people are changing but uh this age the space that me and you are in this probably so many other people in that stage now and then they would have uh a journey in which they would grow in the in which they would progress so i think the topic or the focus is then the progression 
um, and a lot of times I've seen progression going in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And what hurts someone the most, regardless of how good they are in that particular moment, is lack of progression, lack of leaving from one place to reach another. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's extremely important. And I was grateful to have gone through that progression. Sometimes it happens as a result, as a consequence of constraints, as a consequence of failures. For example, if YouTube's banned, then you have to move to Facebook and then you have to learn how to run Facebook. If YouTube's never banned, then you never get to experience or learn that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if your videos stop getting views, then as a result, you end up doing something else. It's, it's only when you start failing mm-hmm. is when you start refocusing on what you need to do to start winning again. So um, I believe that, you know, now being 31 years old, I started um, making videos when I was 20 years before that. I was uh, doing some other sort of content creation in terms of writing content in terms of I used to run some Facebook page called uh, Positive Thinking mm-hmm. back in 2015, 20, not, not 2015, sorry, 2008, 2009. Wow. So um that was a different sort of a content creation that was there. But even in some essence, I would, if I have to look at it now, it's, it's a progression of how to create content, how to um, go ahead in life with the things that you end up learning each and every day. So it's like each iteration is more of a reflection of yourself as a result of how you've grown with different milestones, with different obstacles that come your way. Um, indeed, there is some sort of reflection of myself, but then there's a lot of external elements that come into play. Hmm. Um, at some point, I, I, even though there would be hundreds and thousands of views, there would be someone else with millions of views. And I would be very upset that, you know, why am I not as successful as that other person? But when I look at it now, it was really important for me to not have that extreme initial success to be able to um, kind of create my path in the long run. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, in that journey, uh, there's been amazing teachers, there's been amazing lessons, amazing uh, people that have come across the yeah. pathway to kind of turn me into who I am today. Similarly, the conversation that we are going to have today, the questions that you may ask would alter my thinking in a slightest possible way, but that could really have an impact on my long-term journey of how I think of about things. So, okay. So... As a way forward now for the rest of this conversation, I think because of what we were talking about earlier also, let's try drawing out a timeline. Hmm. Okay. Uh, at the age of 20, you started content creating in what is plain speak through social media. Hmm. Right. Um, and now at the age of 31, you're running Manto. Hmm. What are some key milestones that came in between for you? Interestingly, in retrospective, the um, milestones um, have been not your typical milestones because uh, they have been the most difficult times that have really helped me prosper into uh, the next phase. For Mm -hmm. example, um, I was doing this training. I got this course from School of Leadership back in the day, Train the Young Trainer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up talking to people. I was doing this particular session one day in which I was telling them about some guy who always had ideas but never did something. So if you have a dream, if you have a, if you have an idea, you should go and do it. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, you know, it's, it's me myself. Like, you know, I'm talking, I'm talking about a lot of 
these particular things but i'm also not following the things that i wanted to do mm-hmm. so i decided that i would not go and speak to people try to teach them things until and unless i've gone through that journey so it was very difficult to uh, leave something that you're really into and then move on to the next phase that was let's say um creation of videos and when that started happening um, by some occurrence i ended up moving to uk to study and all my video creation stopped um i became a person that became very uncomfortable in front of camera i still remember um speaking to the camera and stuttering and um, really not being able to um really get into it and uh, i would just sit in my room and you know feel like i've i've lost myself i've lost that thing that i had maybe mm-hmm. as a result i started focusing on other things and then those other things eventually uh, left me here but my key milestone that i'm extremely proud of is that uh, i was very poor at learning in school mm-hmm. um getting good grades and i ended up getting a distinction in my masters wow. so um, what was your masters in e business management okay then so, when was this This was 2016 to 2017. Perfect time for how all of this was booming in Pakistan then. Mm. Like at the at the start actually. This is I think when e-commerce was starting to become a thing, Daraz was starting to become common. Yes. Yes, but then Daraz was always ahead of its time, yeah. right? And that's the magic of rocket internet yeah. that they always brought things before the market was ready. Yeah. Um, so even when i got done with that particular course i tried a couple of things in the uk but when i came back i was not completely focused on creating an e-commerce business because mm-hmm. i was like i've i've created this massive channel an amazing community of really interesting people so maybe i need to focus more on mansels until the point that you know my friend muzammil hasan zaidi uh, mm-hmm. who also does this podcast now thought, thought yeah, behind things um one day him and myself sat down and he was like salman this is not you the videos that you're making now it's it's the old salman definitely but who you are today has changed and maybe you need to take a break and that external voice was really helpful and finally giving me that final push that okay i'm going to stop this and i'm going to take all my eggs and put into the basket of uh, doing e-commerce and trying it as many times as i possibly can Okay and what was the first uh, what was your first niche what did you think about selling So when I actually started doing e-business management um my masters I realized that you know it will the learning would be maximized if I can also do something alongside mm-hmm. so that whatever I am learning in in school I can probably in the evening go back and apply it apply that to the business and see if all those things that are being taught actually mm-hmm. work or not Mhm So just with that thought that year I was unable to start a proper business but just with that thought I got into the process of researching about how to create a website how to sell some of those particular things so my learning was maximized in the sense that you know in the morning they would teach about different things in the evening I would learn about the tools that I require to apply to all of apply that apply all of that and uh, um as a result uh when i came back i really wanted to understand the pakistan's e-commerce market so the first website that i made here was healthypotty.com okay and it had those tools because science says that you know um you poop better when you are in that old desi uh, sort of position yeah. which is of squatting and with the new day uh, toilets it's 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 really not the case that you yeah. know your posture has become different so we provided a stool okay. that would help you squat 
uh, with your modern toilets as well so that was an amazingly helpful uh, journey to start from because uh, it, it's a taboo topic yeah it's something that uh, nobody would be uh, proud to speak of uh, yeah. if we had to call our customers who placed an order just for the confirmation we'd call them and tell them that oh i'm speaking from healthypotty.com right and uh, a lot of those calls i used to do myself and uh, sometimes people would be like what and then when you have to repeat yourself that becomes even more difficult yeah. i am from healthypotty.com the um stools that you had orders uh, ordered so once i went through that process of doing those particular calls so it was much easier to do the conversation on calls about manto or about any other products that we have had to create um, otherwise mm. we started selling like 300 to 500 uh, stools a month okay um it seemed like a product uh, market seemed fit yeah. because uh, we are in pakistan people especially in karachi people love spices yeah and this is something people don't like talking about but mm-hmm. um with an online presence it was much easier to just place an order rather than going into a shop and buying holding it. that massive stool yeah. right and uh, within 3 to 5 months uh, of starting that e-commerce business we started seeing those stools becoming available on all the big markets so then we started oh, okay. seeing those uh, come up in mtrs and uh, all those mega chains that you have uh-huh. uh, at a much lower price Same because way. the way they procure is very different to how yeah. a new business would do so yeah um so that was a very interesting experience to begin but this with. was basically like in a way was a drop shipping order from china and get it directly mm-hmm. over here no so i found um so this was something i really wanted for myself right okay um there's a global brand called scotty potty which uh, does sales over 100 million dollars i think us and a year or something mm-hmm. so it's not only us with this particular issue it's it's it's, it's a global problem yeah um so i really wanted one for myself and i found a supplier in uh the import markets of karachi which is jolia bazar mm-hmm. so i got one for myself i did the photography and all those particular things and um i had another friend with me on in on this who was also at the time trying to learn e-commerce so the first one that i sold um it was based on my picture only and i did not have anything in stock so i called my supplier i called the guy i got it from and i was like i need some he was like how many do you need and i was like 24 he's like i'm only got, i've only got 12 hmm. i'm like all right I, can you please get some more because i i'll need so i gave him some advance uh, he got maybe 5 to 8 dozens hmm. Uh, meanwhile we just uh, tested different headsets uh, we tested different ways to reach people different ways to communicate after the product was delivered so we would uh, send an email or we would call the customers mm-hmm. after a week what do you think about this what can we differentiate about this and surprisingly a lot of people once they received one uh, stool they started ordering like a dozen more five more six more because this friendly a lot of toilets in the same household yeah and it's it's if you have not tried or if you have not tried i would really recommend you to go try it 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 may be available uh, every other place uh, in so many different places now it's it's the kind of a place like you know once you start using it the experience just changes your life changes because to be honest that is a very important part of our everyday life yeah and if that's not done well i mean the rest of the day can go bonkers you know <laughs> i'm so. a bit amused but i also i can see i can see like how it must have been 
यू नो लाइक यू मस्ट बी स्ट्रेस यार माल बिक नहीं रहा है आगे बढ़ नहीं रहा है और यार माल है नहीं बेचने के लिए और सामने से यू ऑल्सो गेट फीडबैक फ्रॉम योर कस्टमर्स के आपका एक्सपीरियंस कैसा था and how many days this courier company is delivering mm-hmm. and um uh, how many of those were r- delivered broken because it's it's a fragile item okay um what were the cost of each so the idea behind doing healthypotty.com was not to just send uh, sell more stools but uh, to learn the local market to give a challenge to ourselves that you know when we can sell a product like this hopefully mm-hmm. there's other products that we can mm-hmm. um sell in a yeah. certain format as well and the whole operations the processes yeah. that may be required we can just learn about them because the stakes are low mm-hmm. in terms of failing so when was this this was right after your mba no this was around 2018 2019 2018 2019 and uh, this was your first business so this was i had attempted a couple of other businesses first e-commerce only uh, right after my masters so uh, i had a friend with whom we would have a lot of these particular conversations and then we started a women's uh, sports apparel brand mm-hmm. uh, we got some products delivered from china and then we did our local uh, photography our own photography from the time that you know i used to do pho- photography back in the day i mm-hmm. already had a camera so we just did some basics of that we did some storytelling together she was really good with designing uh, understanding what sort mm-hmm. of things have to be in a certain place in on a website so we made this website with a total investment of between 50 to 70 pounds hmm. and uh, we ended up selling that website for 500 pounds okay and uh, then she went her way i went my way but um that friend now probably does 12 million dollars in revenues a year wow and she has a jewelry brand she was very good with fashion she really had uh the right sort of understanding of the luxury market uh-huh. uh, globally we that this is all in london so the opportunities to reach a global audience is also easier in some essence mm-hmm. so that was the kind of first couple of experiences and then when i saw her do a lot of amazing things that just gave me so much confidence that you know all the things that we talk about all the things that we think is possible is actually possible yeah, actually, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's been done before it's it's been done just right in front of your eyes mm-hmm. so why not okay all right so so after this what came up like what was the next milestone in your life um if you could define the milestone because uh, some something defining that you feel like like the way you're talking about squatty party makes me think that this is something that was defining and kind of has a was able to launch you further into the next step in your life mm-hmm. that was that's what i would call mm-hmm. a milestone so once i took this leap of faith that i need to stop doing everything else mm-hmm. uh, whether it's uh, youtube or stand up comedy or helping my father's business at some particular point um the idea was that you know i'm going to try once i'm going to try twice i'm going to try thrice and you know i need a lot of these low stake ideas in which you can start trying and then you start learning more and more and more mm-hmm. so that was a very defining moment because that gave me confidence that you know regardless of how many times i'm going to fail there's going to be a better version of it next time mm-hmm. and uh, before i made monto i had designed or made 20 25 websites before that and mind you i'm not 
I don't know coding. Um, I've, I was not born a website designer. I mm-hmm. never had an idea if I could even do this or not. Um, but the only way you can do this is by doing this. Yeah. So I would just do more of it and maybe it's not going to work the first time, the second time. In fact, there's this, uh, you sometimes get these statistics, right? That, you know, 80% of the businesses fail, 90% of the businesses yeah. fail. Um, and I've always found this astonishing that, you know, sometimes it disables people from trying because the stakes of failing are too high. Yeah. Sometimes people are like, but, oh, let me just try. And then maybe I'm in the 10%. But the idea for me was that, you know, okay, if there's 10% chance of success, then I'm going to do 10 of these, right? Yeah. So at least one of those could work. Yeah. Or maybe I could do 20 of these if the stakes for me are even lower, mm. right? So uh, the idea is just to build enough quantity of those particular practice and mm-hmm. eventually it shall be there. Mm. Okay. All right. I've built some really like stupidly failed websites, stupidly really, uh, like failed e-commerce businesses as well. And being able to accept, being able to understand that they have failed mm-hmm. and the reason why they have failed was also very important to kind of move forward into, okay, if this has failed, then what can work? I feel like what I'm about to say might change the trajectory of this conversation, but Please then do. why is the, don't you feel like the, the definition of failure also has been, you know, set in such a way that failure is defined mm. as something going down, crashing, ending, coming to a halt, hampering you in some way. Because I could say like, while you're talking, I'm thinking, yeah, I've also done multiple things, but I've never really thought of them as failures. Mm. I've, seen, I've just been like, it didn't so work. So the real failure is failing at failing. So uh-huh. failing is also, now that I think of it, I've not yeah. collected my thoughts on this before. So please give me yeah, yeah. Uh, some space in, in, in this uh, area. But I, now that I come to think of it, I think failing is an art. Mm. And uh, the, because I've done it so many times, I've failed so many times, uh, you get used to of it. You kind of understand how to go around it because um, I've seen a lot of people that, oh, we have failed, so we have learned something, but sometimes they're not learning something out of it. Yeah. Uh, the only way you learn something out of it is to understand why did I fail? What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And uh, the biggest hurdle, the biggest barrier that I think that people have uh, within that is um, attaching themselves to their fa- failures and then mm-hmm. letting their failures define who they are. Mm-hmm. Although that's just a part of the process. Um, so people cannot, a lot of times, I've also struggled with accepting that, oh, I put so much into it and this did not work. So am I a failure Hmm. is a different focus than, oh, this is something I did and it failed, right? This failed or something that I tried, but does not mean that I'm a failure because I've seen a lot of people that, you know, they start an e-commerce business or any sort of business with some low stakes as well. And the first one does not work out. Yeah. And they stop and I'm like, what are you doing? Because the most difficult part of starting a business is getting started. You have already done that. Yeah. The most difficult part is to, you know, get out there and then get one thing wrong. Hmm. And then when you have, once you have done that one thing wrong, now you have the rights of data, the rights of things to look back on, mm-hmm. reflect on. So it's an asset in an essence, if mm-hmm. you have that progressive mindset. Yeah. But that's the thing. I feel like at times I can only speak for myself in this. If I look back and I judge or if I try to determine that what was my point of failure, 
I would only attach fail, the word failure if there was a huge financial loss. Understood. And now while talking to you, there was a few things that I did and I see that it done, it didn't work out. But if I was to go back and do it again, what would I do differently? Mm. Or what could I do now? Mm. Maybe something that I wanted to do, the time was not right. That's how I'm thinking. Yes. And those are the fundament, yeah. fundamental questions that, you know, you need mm-hmm. to move forward from this. And when you talk about financial loss, so uh, again, uh, sometimes when you talk about all these particular things, it may come out of, sometimes it may seem like uh, having passing through some judgment. Mm-hmm. Um because to be honest, safety net becomes very important. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in circus, when, when they're practicing, when they're learning, and sometimes also when they're performing, there's this net yeah, yeah. on the bottom. And just knowing that, you know, if you're going to fall down, you have you're not going to die, uh, gives you that confidence to try more. Yeah. gives you that con- confidence to fail more. Mm-hmm-hmm. So as a result, um, People could be in different case scenarios. A lot of people that are listening to you may have that sort of privilege mm-hmm. that um, they may try something and that may not work out and they will still survive mm-hmm. and have something to go again and try tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Versus um, people sometimes in condition where if they try something and everything is focused on that and it, if it does not work out, they may not stand a chance for that. Mm. So if I was in an alternate place, what I would want to do is um, I would want to first build that safety net around myself. Uh, a lot of times we are privileged and blessed to have that safety net given by our family, mm-hmm. by our surrounding. Sometimes in some countries, by our countries where uh, some sort of organizations are like, you know, assisting in how to try and test new businesses. Um, but in another case scenario as well, if you look at it with e-commerce, with the technology, um, the barriers to entry, the barriers to try new things has become really low. Um, If you had to create content back in the day, you really needed a whole production house, uh, an investment of that sort of thing. So to go ahead with that. But if you want to be an actor now, if you want to uh, try yourself a direction, you can use your existing camera or you can, even if you don't have a phone with the camera, um, you can ask a friend that may have one. So the access barriers to there, entry, nah, yes, yeah. access has become there for you to try new and new of those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times you are not just utilizing those mm-hmm. completely. Right. Okay. So I want to come into a little bit about um, the the story of Manto now. Mm. Because I'm assuming that after all of these iterations and e-commerce and trials, um, that's how maybe Manto came up. So Manto, in some essence, was always there in the sense that um, I used to dress in a certain way mm-hmm. and it was very difficult to find uh, my dresses elsewhere and then interestingly uh, when i started getting getting them made um from a particular place my wife started stealing them <laughs> and, and she started wearing my clothes sometimes which were very minimal which were very basic so that expanded my thinking that oh it's not only for me, but she's also enjoying it. And mm-hmm. then for me, I can still find a couple of shops where I can get this done. But for her, there's no one doing this and there's right. no one um, making any of these particular things. So the first product that was launched for Manto was uh, these sort of kurta pajamas, uh, the ones without collars as well mm-hmm. um, for everyday wear for men and women. And uh, the 
thing that you know became an instant hit was this among women because there was no one else uh, there was literally like you, Cardi you could used not... to do it at one time i remember cardi had that plain solid color hmm. kurta going on but then they stopped and then even the women were like hey, where is hmm. that gone now hmm because so the advantage that we had hmm. at that particular point against cardi because cardi is amazing like yeah. it's, it's massive it's huge um but for us this is all that was there yeah, like yeah. you know this was our only thing so we had the capacity we had the privilege to focus on this to improve this product on some essence and then to build the foundations of our brand on this particular product itself only that oh mm. it's not that we have 10 things and this is one of them that we're yeah, doing yeah. but this, this is, is the only point. thing uh-huh. that we are doing right so it just becomes louder right um in that essence so mm. that really helped us uh, push forward mm-hmm. and now also there's uh, almost every other brand has some sort of basics or not yeah Uh, and there's a lot of brands that have just come out uh, doing amazing work focusing on these sort of basics mm-hmm. and uh, uh, i'm really grateful that now there's more opportunities more places mm-hmm. for me and my wife to shop from um we still shop from monto most of the time I'm but sure. there's some <laughs> options yes so what was the so so the gap that you essentially found was that you weren't finding clothes that you would like wearing hmm. right um Did you ever think that you would like, you know, fashion would be your thing or it would be your calling? Or was this something that you gave a lot of thought to growing up that yeah, retail mein kuch karna hai aage jaake. Retail ki game on hai. So I really wanted to do something with marketing. And uh, when I talk about marketing, I don't specifically talk about advertising. Like I I maybe it could have been a part of this. No, but, but actually get on that because I, that's interesting that you say that. I had someone I had uh, Raida Latif I don't know if you've heard her name but she's the uh, chief marketing officer of and business development at Stock Exchange. Okay. And we had a whole marketing and brand conversation around that as well. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. What is, what is marketing for you? So marketing um as And sorry ma- before you do answer that. This was go- I was going to ask this because everyone that I told around me and i said that you know salman's going to be coming on they're like who's salman i was like have you heard of mantu they're like no way and i was like yeah dude so apparently your stuff is being sold all around the world um everybody loves it and even my mom well somehow in her school is like you know mai bhi chahti hu ki mere paas mantu ka kuch ho kyunki iske paas hai uske paas hai and stuff so you've done something or the other mm-hmm. that people are really reverting back to the brand for and that they have this trust also to keep spreading and like their jaws drop mm-hmm. right there's something that you've done and i feel like that the the answer in that has to do with your marketing philosophy all right so i think there's a lot of pressure now that Sorry, uh, when, you you say, <laughs> when you say that there's something that i have done um i think on that front we have been very blessed uh, very blessed to have the opportunities that we have had mm-hmm. uh, very blessed to have the community the customers that we have had because literally they have helped us grow yeah um but now if i go back to the marketing side of things it's mm-hmm. it's it's about um yes there are elements of pushing your product there are elements of uh, making an ad and um getting the word out but a lot of times that's the last thing to do Yeah. Uh, there's so many other things other functions of marketing that come before that um there's so much more to get out of the people mm-hmm. than to get into them so uh marketing for me is not just pushing information or pushing stuff but also pulling some information right. and pulling stuff and for that um i look back i look back at consumer psychology so 
um, the first point that I would start thinking about is that if my wife's wearing it, why is she wearing it? What are the reasons that she likes about it without her knowing that these are the reasons why she's uh, into it? And uh, for that reason, anything that we do, um, the decisions that we make in life, the cars that we drive, the shoes that we wear, the kind, the shape of the glasses that we wear at a certain point, the kind of hairstyle we make, mm -hmm. all these sort of decisions are coming out of somewhere. Yeah. We are not maybe consciously thinking about how it's happening or why it's happening. So understanding that part uh, for me was a very crucial element of marketing. And one reason, uh, one answer is that, you know, we all want to belong. Um, so how can we create a product mm -hmm. that can be, uh, that people can belong to, that can uh, strengthen their story, that mm -hmm. can strengthen their um, self-identity that they've told themselves about. Um, but at the same time, um, it's knowing who it's for, knowing the identity of people and then building something, curating your product along the way to meet those standards, to meet those needs. And um, it's it, now that I think of it, it sounds very vague and I'm unable to kind of how to, uh, I'm unable to understand how to simplify this and put forward. So I would be very kind, uh, that would be very kind of you to frame the question in a way that, you know, that can bring the best out of. What would, okay, let's take the example of you trying to really like analyze your wife's consumption patterns. Mm -hmm. First question is around that area. Did you, did this, did you get this inspiration to think like this from your MBA or because of some course that you did or some thought, or this was just something that was like within KR, why does she even want it? Mm. And you just thought long and hard and you were pissed because mm. Did it come as, what did it come as a result of? So I think this has been inbuilt for a long time. Uh, when I was writing poetry or when I was writing lyrics, um, it's, it's like who it's for. Mm -hmm. And then what would be the things that that person would be thinking about. So that's mm -hmm. when the practice started happening without mm -hmm. actually thinking about it. I used to think um, the ads that I would make for different sort of products, right? Mm -hmm. um, for example, uh, one ad that I used to think a lot about is hair gel, because if you recall the time that we were growing up hair gels at there was a time that you know, yeah, they became yeah. a big thing yeah and uh, there Set was wax and this <laughs> and then everybody was kind of the whole teenage hair was dependent on the kind of yeah, gel yeah. that you're using right and i was like if i have to make an ad about the gel and the whole idea was how strongly it can hold yeah uh one ad that is very one ad concept that is very um strong in my mind even right now was and then this whole tufan is coming and then everything is right? And when you actually start thinking about making an ad as well, it's about understanding that, you know, what is it that people are looking for? What is the consumer journey like? Uh, what, are, what are the different decisions, uh, different questions people may have mm -hmm. within that consumer journey? For example, if I'm going to, I see you are wearing a smart uh, fitness watch. I am wearing one. Um, the journey to go and buy this because there's so many different options. You may come across a lot of those particular questions, right? Yeah. Um, number one, what is it for? Like, you know, what do I need? Uh, is it so that I need to feel like I'm a part of those uh, community where people like to stay fit? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Is it because I need to count my steps? Is it because I need to lose weight? Or is mm-hmm. it because I play a certain sort of sports and I need to uh, find out my statistics? So <clears throat> once you start asking these questions about yourselves, about your own customer journey, about your own consumer journey, you start seeing that those particular mm-hmm. patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, then came video making. So the videos had to be relevant to the people. Yeah. And uh, they had to be... Uh, if you look at my videos, a lot of those were kind of built around the concepts that have that are always there in our day-to-day life. Yeah. But we don't actively think about. Yeah. So uh, it it helped me build a practice of observing things hmm. that have always been there, but we kind of ignore. Okay. And uh, in that process, my observation skills, I believe, uh, became better because hmm. being a marketer, observation is extremely important because yeah. um, there's this book by Seth Godin that you can't be seen until you learn to see hmm. and that learning to see is uh, very interesting it's it's like you know when henry ford says that if i had asked people what do they want they would have said faster horses yeah right um it's it's the ability of steve jobs to be able to see um, why people are doing things or what is it that they would want. Mm. There's an example that I recently came across. Um, so all these detergent companies um, mm. hired some sort of consultant. Kaya, please tell us what do our customers need? How do we product better our product? So when survey customers, so customers would always say that we want more white. And the marketing companies would go back to the manufacturer and say that People always want more white, more clean. So uh, as a result of that, the manufacturers started adding some chemicals, started branding their products like, oh, whiter than ever and all Mm. those particular things. Five years down the line, they went back to have some sort of survey and they realized that it has had no impact, Mm. no impact whatsoever, focusing on more white and white and white. And on the other hand, this is what customers want because we want more white. So they found some guy who hmm. went to see that, okay, what's wrong? Or when uh, someone washed their they started seeing the pattern. When someone washed their clothes, when someone washed their clothes, so they saw that, you know, nobody's opening the whole dress, each one of them, and seeing that it's so white, hmm. but rather they're smelling it. Right? And with that understanding, they changed the game because then they started smell. Uh, Putting things in uh, in detergents, okay, what smells uh, sensitive thing. And as a result, sales increased. So that being able to, so it was not the ad, it was not the new interesting name. Uh, maybe that would be the part of the whole journey. But the so, main factor was being able to see, okay, what is it that people are doing? What is making them feel cleaner? And the biggest biggest example is that in the last few days, at least it happens with me, that the washing machine is in the washing machine, so it keeps one smell in it. And now I know that it's clean. But when I wear it for a whole day, I don't feel clean. Hmm. So that's very true that, you know, in some sense, we are very rational. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result, uh, you start seeing these different sort of patterns. Okay. So what were the patterns that you noticed when trying to develop this mm-hmm. and you uh, if this is like about if this is going to let go of some trade secrets then we can go on to no the next session, so but a lot of times when people are asking me trade secrets or uh, uh, like you know it, 
I actually have a motive behind this as well, because what you're doing is that you are essentially trying to um, collect the insights of what your customers want, but also what is it that they need, but don't realize they want right now. Mm. You're trying to find the middle ground mm. between these two by virtue of questions, behavior patterns, tracking, all of these things. Mm. And I'm in a very similar position right now with my own business where I'm trying to understand what is it that our customers use why do they use it? How do they use it? But what is it that they actually need right now that they haven't even been exposed to in the first place? Hmm. And I want to understand your process to that. Hmm. So there was some, uh, for example, challenge in getting the people on board for the first time, right? And hmm. now if we put like this whole big chart paper on, on yeah. the table to kind of do all the checklist for the marketing of how when we were starting. So... Um, People are afraid of trying new things. Huh. Um, we don't like a lot of changes. But then there's some sort of people, uh, uh, early adopters, early adopters, that are always uh, looking for new things to try and new things to test. So that's what we started off with. Those sort of people started coming through the door. And then we needed to make sure that, you know, how is their experience improved? Because once their experience was right there, they started talking about it to the people that wanted some sort of social proofing um, so in case of Manto the Lakhnavi Kurtas the idea was that you know it's extremely comfortable that in your day-to-day -day life um, it helps you forget about what you're wearing it helps you do better decision making because if I have to honestly make a decision every day especially if I'm going to office or school or if I'm a doctor I have to go to a hosp uh, hospital it's, it's such a hectic decision every day so if we can help them make that uh, improve that decision making that process by giving them something that would help them perform better because they don't have to now think about their dress is something that always uh, looks good so it has to be timeless fashion solid colors is has always been and hopefully will be mm -hmm. the timeless fashion um it has to be extremely comfortable so we really had to kind of engineer what sort of uh, fabric do we need i spent right like nine months understanding what's the right sort of fabric, what's the right sort of sizing. And still there were mistakes that, you know, people, the first few early adopters were kind to forgive and kind to inform me that, oh, this is something that you need to work on. The size of your pants is probably not the best. Mm -hmm. And still sometimes we get some of those particular feedback and um, the idea is to be able to see those particular things better. So in the process, uh, when we got our first five first 10 or first 50 customers, we started speaking with them or we started seeing if someone's coming back, why is it that they're coming back? If someone's not coming back, why is it that they're not coming back? And altering the product accordingly, improving the product accordingly was the most important part of marketing. And once you have done right sort of things there, if you have given them a good experience, um, if you have given them even slightly more than what they're expecting, then it's something that they would talk about. And if they talk about it, then you get the word of mouth, you get social proofing. And uh, as a result, there's now more new people coming and trying those particular things. So in the beginning, it was a slow growth. Mm -hmm. But once it was out there, then um, mm. it just transformed massively. Mm. I've had people that on the first month told me that, you know, I'm not going to wear this kind of a dress. Two years down the line. They're, They're like, can dress. you please make it an urgent delivery because I need it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so the first, the first phase of this, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, this the first phase of it was you trying to understand 
who your customer is where what is it that they do how do they mm. um what do they want mm. then the second phase was developing a product that would fit their needs mm. product market fit mm. and then the third phase was testing and seeing is this actually what they want is this actually how they're envisioning this mm. and then the fourth phase has been about uh distribution communication reach mm. is that right mm. tell me a little bit about this last phase how okay. are you doing this distribution operations basically the logistics side of not things. the logistics now i mean from a customer perspective only like you have you have a great product that's creating this word of mouth buzz for you as well that's getting you access to a bigger pool of customers but the interesting part is that you know that's the most important part when it comes down to marketing that we sometimes not sometimes it's the most ignored part as well because right now you'd find a lot of talented people that yeah. would be great at promoting their product that would be great at getting the word out yeah. but when it comes down to this part of understanding operations and logistics so hmm. um if i then take a step back hmm. i'm like okay now let's see i found, found the perfect customer mm -hmm. i found the perfect product let's say let's just assuming right yeah, now yeah. that never happens on day 1 but uh, let's say i found the perfect customer i found the perfect story uh, the right sort of customer um the i've created the facebook ad account or the facebook ad set that would do well the website looks great but now someone comes in places in order for a comfortable dress but the process of receiving that dress is not comfortable okay right then all of that goes to waste so then the most important function of marketing comes mm. down to these operations the hard part the logistics the yeah. things that they may not show in the movies yeah because that's essentially the most important uh, function of marketing because if i am able to deliver my products one day earlier it's 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 not only uh, a win for my supply chain it's a win for my marketing because let's say Uh, if uh, on the other end i'm a customer and the website says that it will take 3 days or 5 days for delivery and i end up receiving in one day that's amazing is it only uh the delivery that has changed but my feelings about the product that has changed and yeah. if my feelings have changed if my excitement has changed then there is an element of marketing that has done yeah because now i would talk about it now i would feel better about it right so the operations the nitty gritty is the hard part the it uh, adds up the things the, yeah. that get your hands dirty is essential like you can't be anywhere without working on these particular things uh, only yesterday i posted uh, this sort of thing uh, this uh, video on my instagram as well that you know everybody wants the tallest sunflower everybody wants most likes and most orders but what we sometimes ignore is that you know tallest sunflowers have the deepest root systems mm. and uh, deep, the reason why a lot of times we ignore that is because deepest root systems are invisible they're mm. underground so they're not visible so we don't think that's important mm. but without those root systems you can't really grow your sunflower mm. taller i was reading this blog by seth godin and um I'm sure it must have crossed your inbox as well about UX and branding, and that a good brand is based on a good UX, and the UX is not just what you see in the screen. Mm. It's about every single touch point with the customer. Mm. That touch point of mm. delivery, the bag, the packaging, mm. how it's even reaching their doorstep—that's part of UX. Exactly. In your game, and the UX can be applied anywhere. So if yeah. I have a Kiryana store 
uh, corner of the street. If I can do like all those things that may apply to all those trainings that may apply to big businesses and big brands would also apply to the same person. Mm -hmm. For example, if the person is building relationships with their customers, um, where let's say if you are my, uh, if you live across the street and if you're just coming uh, every now and then, if I'm like, oh, Sadbhai, how are you? Okay, how are you doing? Just asking that one little question would make you feel like, you know, you, there's some sort of relationship. Um, so much such that if you go to another Karyana store, you feel like you're cheating on a friend. Yes. <laughs> Actually, the, that happens to me. The thing that happens with barbers as well. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's like, you know, when we, uh, if from the Karyana store's perspective, if I have a shop and I have 100 rupees, 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 سو Wow. I didn't think this is where we would go. Sometimes I feel like talking to you on another note. Sorry. I feel like talking to you, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of business lessons coming out in this. Um, but it's also very like deep and philosophical in a way, mm. which I appreciate. I it's kind of changed the tone. It's changed, it's changed the tone and it's a good thing, but mm. sorry, I cut you off. Uh, this is what I was saying, telling you earlier as well, uh -huh. that there's one problem with me that, you know, with any particular thing, I just end up being so philosophical sometimes and i'm not sure if it's helpful i definitely find it helpful because i feel like it's that's where thoughtfulness comes from mm -hmm. and um oftentimes people are very quick to react and judge and also mm -hmm. make action mm -hmm. um but you're not looking at yeah what steps do you have to take before that mm -hmm. i get this critique as well at mm -hmm. work sometimes okay by you just rushing through things or you're trying to make action happen but in my mind i've already done a lot of thinking and i've done mm -hmm. that legwork as well so i think it's it's like there's two perspectives on each sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the strength that comes across is that, you know, there's those technical things that yeah. are very straightforward, that are very non-philosophical. Having some sort of philosophy would also help you do those particular things better. Excuse me. However, um, then there's another side of things where uh, uh, a lot of the right decisions come from is thoughtfulness of how you look at things or mm -hmm. how you approach uh, different sort of case scenarios. Mm -hmm. So um, even when we are learning a lot of these particular things, it's really important sometimes to think through some of those uh, long-term implications, some of mm -hmm. those um, philosophical ends mm -hmm. about things. Because when we get down to the business, when we have to be very strict about our thinking, this may really define the direction we need to, uh, mm -hmm. the direction that we need to go for. And th those technical skills may be the car yeah. in which you will drive them. Yeah, 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 very true. Very true. So... Salman, I have a, I want to actually connect this um, to, an, to, a, to a question about promotion right now. Um, 
and I know I've sa- I said this before, I'm not trying to be adamant about getting this answer, but um, I feel like now hearing your thought process on ops and logistics and how that UX can be enhanced over there, that is also marketing. What is, how does your marketing philosophy extend onto then the promotion of your brand? Hmm. <clears throat> I love working on those particular things because uh, um, it, it's, it's such a thoughtful process. However, um, unfortunately, I think that, you know, sometimes the kind of marketing that's being taught in schools, uh, universities across uh, Pakistan, maybe is in the wrong direction. Hmm. And as a result, um, you are creating amazingly talented people with the wrong sort of direction, with the wrong hmm. sort of focus and perspective. Yeah. And those people go into workplaces and then now they have to apply what they've learned. So maybe a lot of the, those applications are also in the wrong direction. So there's a lot of amazing people that are doing the things the right way, the way that they're supposed to be doing, but it just becomes easier for people like us then, or for people like themselves, because there's not many people doing those particular things. So now when I actually think about it, if I have to Mm -hmm. get the word out, um, the first thing that I have to always start off is with the objective, what the objective is for my promotion, right? Mm. Um, Is to, let's say, uh, if you're running a business, one inherent objective always is to sell more, Mm. right? How can you sell more? Um, There's multiple ways about that. I can sell more by showing more ads to different sort of people, but I can also sell more by being very clear about, oh, maybe it's not so many people that I'm going to start with, but the people that come through the door of my shop, through my Kriana store, keep coming every day, right? Yeah. And then I start thinking about what would make them come every day. Mm. And then you start thinking about those particular things. So one of the... Um, main marketing strategies that we have had at Manto is word of mouth. Um, We don't make a lot of money on the first purchase of the customer. But when we have built that relationship in the long run, when they come for the second time, the third time, the fourth time, it just becomes so much easier to justify the cost that we have invested into getting them through the door first. And we, it was very important for us to build this uh, post purchase journey um, of the first customer before we start focusing on getting new customers on board. Now, as a result, I, I, w- I would just go into some case studies, some thought processes that yeah. you know we went through at different sort of points. So uh, I wanted people that are buying our products to talk about it, to talk about our products. So as a result, I started thinking about what makes people talk about products, what makes me talk about different sort of experiences. And who do I tell these experiences to? So I realized that, you know, every uh, week I'm either sitting down and having a conversation with my family Mm. or friends or colleagues. And other than work-related things with any of those, there are some additional conversations that all of us are having. We have all had this time where our wives or our mothers or our brothers, friends come across and they're like, oh, see, I got this. How much do you think I got it for? Or do you know what happened when I went to this restaurant, right? Um, my sister-in-law once went to this uh, restaurant called uh, Vintage. It's it's transformed uh, into some different name now. So, eat ka din tha. Or, uske andar jab unhone bill diya, to bill ke upar unhone ek saath feedback ya comments ka section diya. To comment pe, 
वो सब दोस्त थे उन्होंने ऐसे लिखा कि कैन यू प्लीज गिव अस सम ईदी राइट ऐसी मजाक के अंदर लिख के दे दिया सो द गाय देन टुक दैट एंड फाइव मिनट्स आफ्टर वेन ई कम्स अक्रॉस ही इज लाइक यू नो मेड थ्री एंड विल्स ऑफ फिफ्टी रुपीज एंड यू नो ही इज गिवन इट टू दो पीपल इट्स ओनली वन फिफ्टी रुपीज राइट नाउ my sister in law throughout the week wherever she went she guess told people happened. guess what happened i went to restaurant and asked for eidi yes it's it's an unusual sort of a thing yeah, right yeah. um when i was starting off with e-commerce the one thing that i heard the most was like yaar online to nahi order kya karo kuch aur aap order kar do kuch aur milta hai there was a lot of crust factor that was an issue uh, return policy us tarike se build up nahi thi mm mm-hmm. या अगर कोई रिटर्न एक्सचेंज कर भी रहा था तो वो स्टोर क्रेडिट्स के उसमें कर रहे थे और द प्रोसेस वाज वेरी डिफिकल्ट टू गो थ्रू सो इट जस्ट मेड आर लाइफ वेरी इजी दैट यू नो इफ वी कैन जस्ट मेक दिस पर्टिकुलर प्रोसेस इजी ऑफ अगर किसी को रिटर्न करना है तो वी हैव टू काइंड ऑफ बिल्ड अ प्रोसेस को रिटर्न करे एंड दिस स्टिल टॉक अबाउट इट लाइक यू नो दे गो एंड टेल फ्रेंड्स एंड फैमिली लाइक ओ यू नो वॉट हैपन वी ऑर्डर दिस वी रिटर्न दिस एंड वी गॉट आर मनी बैक and they also paid for the shipping back to uh, that i had to pay for uh, back to them yeah and the product had no issues it's just that i did not like it mm. when it arrived on my door and others are like oh how is this possible it is definitely possible and it's happening around the globe yeah. it was not happening as much in, four years yeah. before in pakistan um mm. or uh, there would be things like you know once the order has been delivered um we would send a message um so there's one thing that was happening a lot uh with anyone that was sending their orders they were asking the customers to tag them they were like oh can you please tag us on the post uh, or can you please do all those sort of particular things so let's say let's understand the objective is to get people to talk about you because yeah, yeah. one way is to tell people to talk about you the other way is to understand what makes people talk about you hmm so uh, in that thing we we did not mention oh how to talk about us or do any of those particular things but rather we said we hope that you know you have received your order in the right sort of uh, condition if there are any issues please let us know and we also at the bottom we also added our instagram hmm. in no place we told people to talk about us but they felt that they were taken care of and then once the order was delivered 7 days after it was much easier then because uh, uh, the number of customers were less so we were able to send everyone a personalized message um, and we would write all of those messages ourselves so after a week we would message that customer on the whatsapp oh have you received it we hope that there is no issue right mm-hmm. if there is any issue please let us know and they may be expecting that now it's now they are going to ask us for promotion now they are going to ask yeah. us to post about it and then we don't do it and they're like oh wow this is not what i expected yeah. as a result if you give people slightly different mm-hmm. than what they were expecting whether good or bad yeah. they will definitely talk about you hmm. and you think that the time will come for you to ask um sorry so you were giving right like if you if you follow gary v then you know there's that concept of jab jab right hook so you keep giving to your customer you keep giving you keep giving you keep giving and then eventually when you go for that hook is when you're asking you're asking hmm. for something back hmm. it's like how gary v did with his all nfts he kept throwing hmm. material kept building that community hmm. kept giving value and then that's incredible right so over here do you feel like you are at that point or have you already tried that yeah you know we've given so much to our customers our customers will also help us 
Hmm. We love them. They like us. Hmm. Therefore, they might help us out. So the idea about the right hook is that you know you can ask without asking. You can. Um, they may understand eventually. There is that uh, law of reciprocity. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm very bad with no, vocabulary no. and English. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, I've uh, because in my early days. uh i i did not go to a proper school uh-huh. uh by what i mean a proper school is that you know i was trying to do some religious studies as a result i missed out on a lot of these foundational years okay um i ended up learning english later because i was made fun of at different particular places i'm extremely proud of my weaknesses in english but reciprocation huh. is the word so there is this act of uh giving back yeah uh wanting to do good for the people that have done something for us and uh, that can be done without mm. um explicitly asking for it yeah and that started happening where people started uh, posting youtube videos like oh this is what's happening and uh, maybe they would get 10 views but you mm. know it's such a generous impact it's they would come back to us and tell us what's wrong with our product yeah and that's also very generous of them because it mm. takes a lot of time it takes mm. a lot of consideration to kind of uh, be like oh i got this from you and i care for you this is why i'm telling you this because when we talk about helping it's not just about oh promoting us but also coming back and improving a little bit hmm. uh, of our products of our services hmm. so uh, right hook has to be there but it does not always have to be explicit sometimes we have been very explicit that oh this is the help that we need from your end would you be up for it for example uh, would you the pictures that you have shared they are amazing would you please share them with us through email and they would gladly do so okay um so yes it comes it it does okay. definitely come take say so where is um i don't want to take up too much of your time but uh, just a few more questions so like where is now uh, monto standing and what's in the pipeline for you in the business so this question i i've started getting a lot now that you know where do you see monto 5 years down the line and one answer that i repeat is that you know there's so much certainty and there's so much uncertainty hmm. um i don't know where we'll end up um, nobody knows even the like even if i do plan i'm not sure hmm. if you're going to end up there or not but we are very certain about the things that we need to try the things that we need to test so uh, we really want to uh, enjoy the process of going to retail uh, making some mistakes understanding what can we improve within the retail landscape mm-hmm. uh the retail experience uh but at the same time we also want to start testing things globally and now we are already there so uh, alhamdulillah manto is uh, doing local shipments throughout gcc we have warehouse in dubai wow do you have a warehouse in dubai also yes okay so there's a lot of things that you know go from here as well but then there's also a tiny warehouse where um those things can be combined mm. or sent forward we have a warehouse in uk uh we don't have a specific place to ourselves but again uh, the barrier to entry uh, the cost has become so low because now there are companies that would have a whole warehouse mm-hmm. and they're very good at the work that they do mm-hmm. whatever order that you receive you first go through this whole process of two weeks of telling them um setting the barcodes up telling mm-hmm. them that you know this is how it has to be packed this is how the return has to be checked and uh, now they are doing they do that for, for us so uh, we so have that's an outsourced operations basically yes. okay so we have that sort of uh, operation in uk in uh, gcc uh, us uh, has been our biggest market since day one because uh, in places that is away from pakistan 
that are away from Pakistan. It's it's just become more of an identity as well of who we are. Yeah, something to be proud of. Hmm. So um, we really hope to start our local operations in US end of this year or. Early next year, but local operations in the US would mean like manufacture there as well, or no, not manufacture. Like have a retail outlet. So this or some is presence. an asset that we have as a country. Like you know, we are a textile exporting hmm. country. Unfortunately, for the longest time, other than one or two people, other than one or two brands, we has, we have just been making clothes for other people, which is a great thing. But there's a lot of value on the other side of the bridge, hmm. where uh, you're the person that. Is what people are buying. Yeah. Not because it's uh, made in a certain way, but people are buying it because it's Manto. Yeah. And then we also have this back end strength in Pakistan that we can get the rights of things created for those sort of people. So yeah. So um, when did it start? Manto started how long ago? So uh, officially, it started twenty twenty Ramadan. So right after okay. COVID, but. Um, one thing is always there that you know everything starts way before it starts and uh, when people tell me that oh I want to start a gym at some point or I want to start a restaurant or I want to start this business one advice that I would always share is that you know start before you start start six months before you start start a year before you start and they're like what do you mean so start thinking about the customers that you want start thinking about the different styles that you may need the different sort of themes you may want to have in your restaurant and I start thinking about how the training sessions are going to be in your gym so that hopefully when it's the right time, all this work of thinking through things, it, you have just gone through so much of that sort of content mm. that, you know, now you just have to make those decisions and you have built those assets. Uh, you have built that capacity to just go into it now. And uh, when I talk about, let's say now it's, it's finally that we're going to retail from day one for the last three years, I've thought about how the retail store is going to be. And now when it's finally, uh, you have to make call the shots and make those decisions. It's incredibly um, fulfilling sort of a process. Mm. And I just hope in that journey of wherever Manto gets to be, there can be more of these processes in which we get to learn more. We get mm. to challenge ourselves and uh, we always have need to have that sense of accountability, accountability uh, and responsibility that we owe to the community mm. of Manto, uh, that we owe to all the trust that your mother has put in or uh, her colleagues have put in or people across the globe where they're using it as a part of their identity. So it's, uh, it's, it's a great feeling, but it's also there's some sort of responsibility now. Mm. And that's very challenging to follow through because if you have written the best-selling book, it's so difficult to write the next book because, you know, yeah. there's one sort of pressure uh, yeah. that's attached to it. So I really hope that, you know, this pressure, these constraints, these fears, these issues become the driving force for us. Because from day one, it's the mistakes, it's the failures that have helped us get back on. It. They've helped us you know, that sense of taking responsibility has helped us do more than we could ever imagine that we could. When mm -hmm. I talk about logistics operations, God, I never wanted to focus on those particular things. Mm -hmm. As a marketeer, if I thought of myself to be a marketeer, I did not want to sit down and learn about accounting and numbers. I did not want to figure out how to make a plan 
for production you know these these many pieces that we have to make yeah and this is how the sizes have to be divided differently yeah. but then one day i decided that you know this is the most if this has to be a part of marketing then this is something that i have to learn and uh, because of this challenge because of this fear of not failing the trust of people that have put the trust in me i ended up learning things that i could never imagine that you know i would know mm-hmm. so uh, i really hope that you know that pressure stays on as long as there is on the journey stays grateful the journey stays amazing mm-hmm. um so let's see for both of you and myself mm-hmm. uh, where this goes where this goes and what about for you where are you going what's what's not where are you going but what's your position on your home ground your home turf mandu will be global inshallah mandu will have its its uh, its outlets everywhere um will have its distribution network set up right for generations to come mm-hmm. if that's what your goal is but what's your take on the the landscape here based on the situation that we're in um do you mean specific to pakistan specific to pakistan okay so um there's two different angles to it one uh, sometimes i feel uh, not cheated but there's that sort of a uh, feeling that you know i've been lucky i've been very privileged um not just lucky that you know manto worked but lucky to have had the right sort of opportunities at the right sort of points and uh, that is the case for a lot of other successful people bill gates in his childhood uh, if he didn't get that computer and yes he yeah. was in only one of the rare schools that had a computer yeah right at that particular point so sometimes when i'm speaking to a lot of uh, different sort of people who are much smarter who are amazing at what they uh, uh do or sometimes even people that may not apparently seem smarter i feel that you know um they could be the ones starting mentor other amazing or big sort of businesses but it's that sometimes lack of accessibility lack of privilege so i really hope that you know if i've learned something i can share that on mm-hmm. and uh, if there's any way we can create those that sort of privilege we can do so as a result we are you are taking your generous time and sitting on this podcast and i am also fortunate enough to sit down and talk about these particular things with you so that is one direction that you know we have to kind of uh, expand mm. this sort of accessibility to right sort of thinking right sort of information um right sort of questions um, so as a result what are different ways i can do that i would love to at some point want to go into teaching mm. although all my early life i've been running away from school hmm um i want to encounter more of my fears um where i want to be let's say a healthier person or uh, i want to write a book i don't know if i will ever be I going to ask you would you like to write a book vessel um some like you know i don't know uh, i it's it's a fear like you know i really want to do it but i have yeah. fear that i may n- never be able to mm-hmm. so uh, that's one thing that i would want to do at some particular point however uh, when it comes down to for pakistan so i thought thoroughly that you know what can i do in my day to day life that shall have an impact in my community in my society is learn because the more i learn uh the better i can do and the better i can do the be- 
the more I learn, the more I can share. The more I can share, and hopefully, the more other people can learn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, we get the right sort of access. We write. We get the right sort of authority. And uh, not all politicians have wrong intention, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have the right intention, but not the right capabilities. So, learning about things, being realistic about things, hopefully. Um, hmm. would eventually create opportunities where you have the access to create an impact hmm. but also would have learned how to go about it okay okay i'll see that and um last question i have for you huh, is, I, it seems like it ended too early we just started like you know, it's, yeah. we're just getting started yeah i was just see i just saw the time and i think this is the first episode in a long time that's gone beyond an hour um sorry guys i don't know how you feel about feel this feel free to cut <laughs> things that are relevant irrelevant no nothing's going to be cut unless you ask for that but it's fine <laughs> but um that's what i also like about this like it's the it's, it's something that's raw as well um the valuable pieces of course stand out and that's i think what what people stay on for this as well but coming to the last question if you could go back in time and meet your younger self what would you say to him read read i've never been a reader for 30 years for 29 years of my life mm-hmm. i told a story about myself to myself that i'm not a reader i learn by watching things or watching videos or by doing things and i feel so stupid sometimes <laughs> to not have made the most of this amazing um opportunity that all of us have been blessed with and not just read a specific kind of uh, content but it could be anything like you know you could just start reading tarjuma uh, of quran right uh, you could start reading story of uh, our beloved prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam you could read about all the uh, uh, stories of different legends uh, that have past in the history you could read about business you could read about any particular thing because the i sometimes started books and i could not finish it and i always thought that maybe i am the person that can never finish those books but i can recall that you know just reading through those one or two pages sometimes gave me an idea that would really change the course of how i am thinking about uh, different sort of things mm-hmm. and uh, there was one book that i came across 40 rules of love by alif shafaq mm-hmm. and that was the first book i was ever able to complete and once i completed that book such an amazing book that really helped me redefine mm-hmm. some values that i had in my life mm-hmm. but also that changed the story from oh i can read to i can finish a book mm. and then if i can finish a book maybe i can read another one and then i tried reading another one and uh, i could i just ended up making better decisions along when i was reading it and there's so much information that was that had been always there i was just not thinking about because i had not come across that's a difference of thought perspective um that the writer had given me so now my 24 hours stayed the same Hmm. uh my day stayed the same but the decisions the quality of decisions that i was making changed massively just because of five pages that i read yesterday hmm and i can there are some things that you know it's it's difficult to define if they have had any difference in you 
but reading uh, if you do it for a while i can literally feel a lot of those particular differences because now whatever that i'm stuck with i would just go and read about it um my ads are not working my business is failing all right that's fine but so i may learn um i may want to look at what's going wrong but i would be better equipped to tell what's going wrong if i've read four books about business right yeah. or if i've read four different books about businesses why they were failing right and now i'm looking at the same experience same case scenario same incident but my approach to it has really matured because mm. of different sort of directions that i've had mm. it's like i can't emphasize enough i can't talk about um, different sort of benefits but it's like you know you want to be you don't want to be the smartest person in the room yeah and you can do that by having the books in your room going through those particular processes sometimes we are like oh um i may not have the privilege to have gone to harvard but there's so many professors that have you know uh, there's so many authors mm. that have also taught at harvard have written their best work their best tips best advice in those particular books mm. so it's only my excuses it's only i'm to blame if i'm unable to attend harvard because in a way i am able to attend it yeah just by reading through those particular books hmm. and uh, um, in different times uh, it's different sort of books that have helped me fill those different gaps when it comes down to operations it comes down to logistics it comes down to dealing with different sort of people because one thing that happens a lot in your work life is conversations right and difficult conversations hmm. and if you're not good at doing difficult conversations you are not going to be a good businessman whether you are doing a business in jodhia bazaar or mm. doing a business in um san francisco right yeah um i read some books that helped me understand some elements of conversations and then it's not just about reading knowledge it's on its own is not power but knowledge with action is power is power so you read something and then you're like okay let me go and try this and then you go and try this and then Uh, sometimes it does not work and what does not work is easily mm. forgotten mm. but what does work literally changes the changes your life for the rest of it because now mm. that's the asset that's the power that you're going to use in mm. the next of your days so i really wish i started reading earlier um i would tell myself to read i think we need to have you back on and have a conversation just around thoughtfulness for every podcast that you know i have done yeah. everybody tells me that we'll have you back on but then uh, there's a lot of times people are not uh, only a certain sort of people want to listen to these conversations yeah. so then that next time does yeah. not happen yeah. so i'll hold you accountable for this yeah. but nevertheless we can have these conversations on the that, camera as well yeah and that's what i mean right like so i told you earlier that this is more of an extension of myself and i do stick by that because this is the the content that is being produced right now is also kind of the material that i need to hear and that i i'm also gravitating towards mm. and having you on doesn't necessarily mean on this podcast for that purpose to have this conversation documented but is to have that conversation started mm. as to have that conversation there's this power of also having a discussion in a space right within a small group of people also to have that same mm. amount of influence too if five people watch this podcast they leave impact mm. they'll feel impacted as well but the documentation is only based on mm. what you perceive that documentation to be so 
a lot of times when I'm having some sort of conversations, the conversations that I enjoy are not the conversations where I'm able to share my thoughts, but are the conversations where I'm able to build my thoughts. Hmm. And uh, that's one of the reason why I'm also in this particular podcast, because uh, to be honest, in day to day life, it's there's so much different uh, sort of tasks to do. There's so yeah. much work. It just gets so overwhelming at times. And even if I want to speak more, even if I want to have more conversations, I'm unable to do podcasts as much. Hmm. Um, I've been receiving some really interesting invitations. However, obviously, constraints of time, I have to be very selective yeah. of uh, the conversations that I end up indulging myself into. Mm -hmm. So coming down to select who do I need to sit down does not depend on, oh, how many views are there or how many followers does this person have? But I'm also a little selfish, like, you know, mm -hmm. what's there for me to take back from? Mm -hmm. And when I came across mm -hmm. your podcast uh, slightly, I saw that, you know, um, your questioning was uh, the kind of questioning that would force the other person to think in a certain way and the answers are only as good as the questions itself like mm -hmm. you know you could have the finest right answers but if the question is wrong no, it's i mean wrong. <laughs> yeah. yes. so uh, it, it's been a joy sitting down sitting down with you i, mm -hmm. I think there's some of these particular things that have come across mm -hmm. and i would want to think about those uh, concepts further mm -hmm. that you know uh, failure is art uh, and some other things that, you know, I, mm -hmm. uh, I would want to, again, go back and mm -hmm. think about, oh, Asad asked this and I never mm -hmm. thought about this. So what am I thought about mm -hmm. those particular things? Yeah. So thank you so much. No, my pleasure. For it's very being kind such an you. amazing host. No, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for taking out the time. I know it's also very busy. Um, and before this, we didn't, there are a lot of things that we discussed, but we didn't touch. But I'm also very comfortable with that because it's, the value that comes out in spontaneity mm. as well. Mm. But thanks for your time, Salman. This was great. All right. Truly, nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Likewise. Inshallah, we'll see you guys. Yes. Once again soon. We will see you. And check out Manto. Why not? And check out Stay in Tune with Behind the Grind. Another episode coming out next week. More coming. Lots happening. See you in the next one. Take care. Bye-bye.